The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And the oldest and strongest kind of fear is the fear of the unknown. H.P. Lovecraft You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Happy Halloween! Yay! Welcome to this episode of Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee S's. We are both big fans of Halloween. Mm-hmm. We strangely aren't big fans of watching horror, but I love reading it. Mostly because horror movies these days aren't actually horror. There's a difference between horror and terror. Terror is what you find a lot in your movies. Terror is what most people think the horror movie genre is, with your jump scares and your gore and your mass murderers. That's terror, not horror. Horror is dread. It's that unnerving feeling that digs deep into your soul. And I think that's one of my favorite things about reading horror, because as much as I don't much care for watching horror, reading it, it starts triggering your imagination. It's one of the reasons I love H.P. Lovecraft's writing, because like was said in the opening quote, he so effectively uses the fear of the unknown in his writing. While his writing is very long, he doesn't beat us over the head with descriptions of the monsters. He leaves things to the imagination that is actually more terrifying than seeing it and having it overly explained, because it's that fear of the unknown. So we talked a little bit about how to access that emotion, that fear in our September bonus episode. So if you want more about the science of fear and the different kinds of scary things, the things that trigger that emotion, go back, listen to our September bonus episode. You can get lots more then. But when we're talking about making something intricate and interesting and terrifying and embedding in your characters and your readers' minds, an important aspect to consider is when to introduce the truth about what's going on because there is an unknown element and then it becomes known. And when it becomes known, you can't break with what the reader already has in mind, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do. This is something that M. Night Shyamalan is really bad at. Yeah, (laughs) sorry. If you think about his movie Signs, It was really scary through the whole movie because you're like, what is this thing? Like, what are these aliens that are so terrible? And then you finally see it and it's a letdown Mm -hmm. because it's nowhere near as terrible as the image that you've concocted in your own mind. So to answer the question, when do I give the most amount of detail about this thing is probably in the first act of your story. You either need to put it in the beginning or not at all. Yes. Again, less is more. The less you put in there, the more the reader fills in their imagination. As an author, it is your job to access your reader's imagination, to let them be part of the process. The more they can be part of the process of telling that story, the more engaged they're going to be, the more they're going to love it after it's done. One of the ways to still surprise your character, but still give that information in the first act, is to write from the bad guy's point of view. One last note about building suspense, making sure your main character doesn't know. You're going to see this a lot in crime dramas. 
So you're going to see the opening scene of the girl running down the alleyway and her high heels breaking and then somebody jumps out of the dark and you see the murder happen. And then your main characters come across the murder scene. They start to draw their conclusions. So there's still the question of who done it, but you as a viewer, as an audience member, get a little bit more information and that helps build that suspense. It's actually really common in horror movies to have the main bad guy lurking in the background. So if you can translate into your writing that person just lurking there, your main character doesn't notice it, but your reader can. In a lot of horror movies, especially the bad ones, you get entirely too much exposition from the characters. <laughs> and it's just it's just really bad. Please avoid putting any exposition in dialogue. Yes. Just, just <laughs> let, leave it up to your reader's imagination. They are, especially in this genre, your readers have to be a participant in the storytelling process. So how do you build a monster? How do you build that big bad guy in your story? Like any villain, you want it to play to your main character's weaknesses as much as possible, to be as parallel but opposite as possible. Looking back in history, when you're looking at monsters, the first monster, I believe it was the statue was found in what is now Germany, and that is the Lohenmensch, which translates more or less to Lion Man. And they found this statue that was half lion and half human, but this mix of and distortion of what is human and what is natural, this becomes wrong in the audience's mind and that makes it into a monster. A lot of your traditional monsters in a lot of mythology are combinations of two beings. You have your minotaurs, your sphinxes. These are all things that take two creatures very well known to humans and mash them together in weird ways. Which sounds really uncreative, but it's a very powerful tool because you're accessing something that people already recognize. Even going back to H.P. Lovecraft, his description of Cthulhu was using things that we know. He says it's a monster of vaguely anthropoid outline with an octopus-like head whose face was a mass of feelers and scaly, rubbery-looking body. So it's these things that we know, but in the right context and read or said the right way is super creepy because it's this mash of things that shouldn't exist together. And that unnaturalness is really what defines a monster. As you're building your monster, a couple of things to keep in mind are its strengths and weaknesses. Again, it should offset your good guy in some way. Another thing to keep in mind for your monster is how it came into being. Sometimes it's a deity that goes, you are too good of a weaver, Arachnus. We're going to make you into a spider and you're going to be stuck as a spider for the rest of eternity. You, Yes, you make beautiful tapestries, but you're going to be doing it for eating from now on. Or more commonly, you can't be more beautiful than me, so you're going to be cursed forever. Yeah, <laughs> I think Medusa was in that category. Oh, yes. The other thing is that a lot of your monsters that were once human are some of the creepiest monsters because they usually have become deformed in some kind of way that makes them a travesty of humankind. And there's a possibility that your main character could go down that same path. If you ever played the original video game Diablo, you hunt down this devil demon character that has stolen the prince, I believe. 
and you go and eventually you kill this devil and you realize it was the prince all along that had gone too far, gotten too deformed. You end up shoving the soul stone into your own skull and you become the devil that now the next players get to hunt. Another example of a great once human monster is actually from North American, Native American culture, and that's the Wendigo or the Wendigo. And that was once a human who got isolated in the high winds and the winter and ended up eating human flesh in order to survive, sometimes their own. The human flesh drove them insane and they became this monster of winter that needed human flesh in order to survive. It's used a lot in various supernatural shows. Supernatural being one of them. (laughs) It's a good one. Sometimes your monster won't even target humans. The traditional ghoul was not a ghost. It was not a zombie. It was a creature that feasts on the dead. Some of the most original stories about ghouls were that they would follow armies and eat the destruction left behind. So it's possible that there are other monsters that exist in your world that just really aren't that interesting to your main character because they aren't the ones who stole the baby out of the crib and therefore they're not the one the main character is hunting, but it might still be something that they have to deal with. One other very classic example of a monster that is very interesting to consider is the story of Grendel and Beowulf. In the story, Grendel is represented as the monster. But if you read it right, Beowulf is actually the monster in the story. I don't think it was initially intended that Beowulf would read as the monster. But if you look at what Grendel's done, what Grendel's mother has done, it's a survival story for them. And the humans bring in this great hero, Beowulf, to go and hunt the monster down and save their kingdom. Which is interesting, but I think that's why none of the Beowulf films have been terribly successful, because it's really hard to relate to Beowulf, and it's very easy to relate to Grendel. So if you're writing your monster, take caution if you want it to be that that is the bad guy of your story. So making sure they do something absolutely terrible and better yet, absolutely personal. One last thing to consider when you have monsters in your world are monster hunters. Having people whose life goal is to hunt monsters are interesting characters to have. So just to kind of sum up a little bit of what we've talked about today, when you are writing horror, when you're writing these scary stories, remember that unknown is one of your greatest tools. Be careful about when you're presenting the information because you want it to be interesting and grabbing, but not exposition, and not too little that your reader isn't satisfied at the end. If there is a question in your writing of, is this too much? The answer is probably yes. But always remember that you should feel that description in your soul of just how terrifying and horrible and creepy it is. And this is one of those cases that I really recommend research reading in that genre to be able to write in that genre and be effective. Your greatest tool as a horror author is your reader. Don't discount them. Don't assume they're unintelligent. They're there to be entertained by you and to participate in the discussion. 
So get readers, get advice, get a writer's group that can help you better develop that story and make sure it works. So as you're working on your horror stories and as you're out there enjoying Halloween, just remember one thing. Right, selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.